Hello and welcome to Newsnight, where we talk to major players in Nigeria's journey to growth and economic development. I'm Ladi Akere Doluale. Thanks for joining us. Nigeria's economic climate is seriously challenged by a number of factors which my guest today on the program believes have been exacerbated by the arrival of elections and the campaign season. From interest to inflation and unemployment rates, as well as security challenges, my guest believes that a laser focus must now be employed by both outgoing and incoming governments at various levels if Nigeria is to turn the tables around. Newsnight talks to the president of the Lagos Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Dr. Michael Olawale Cole. Thank you for your time. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. My pleasure being here. You became uh, president of the LCCI in December of last year. That's 2021. Um, what's been the experience like, especially with such, uh, shall we say, inclement economic weather uh, yeah. that you've had to contend with? Well, I came in here, like you've said, in December last year. Um, it's been quite a tough time. That what I know is that uh, I feel a bit happier because prior to this time it was COVID and that limited what the Chiba could do in terms of um, intervention and, and programming of all our events. But this time around, we are able to move around, we're able to get a lot of things done, we're able to travel, we're able to see people in government and those not in government to see how we can make things a lot better for, for the economy. So it's, it's not very kind climate uh, dealing with governors at, at a time like this, at this level, that we have a job to do, and we must continue to do it. You referenced it in your answer to the question there when you talked about the weather. And this time you're talking about the economic weather. Um, many people have already described it as fairly uh, inclement. Uh, it's tough. And it's been made even worse, uh, first by COVID, uh, which you also talked about, and then now by other disruptions, which some of which we have no control over. For example, what's going on in uh, Ukraine, which has created uh, a spiral-on effect in various sectors. But if we, if we bring it back home here, um, what's your view today? about the general business environment? Where do we stand with that? Well, with the way the country has been uh, in recent time, at the job of commerce, we have the opinion that it could be a lot better if certain things are put in place. We know, of course, that government is faced with a lot of challenges, a number of which are due to factors not within their control. But there are a lot of factors within their control that we feel that the, that the country leadership should look at very seriously. If you look at the issue of inflation, if you look at the issue of uh, oil subsidy, if you look at the issue of unemployment, if you look at the issue of insecurity, if you look at the issue of forest management, these are things that are up to a point within the competence competence of government to handle. But one way or the other, 
there has been a bit of lack of uh, the political will or the courage to do certain things that ought to be done. If this were done much earlier, we wouldn't be where we are today. Yes, speaking of today, there, there, there are certain things that make people, or that I want, want to assume that make people like you, who are in business, who are in the private sector, worried. Uh, especially when you relate it to government. Um, you've already mentioned uh, some of them. The inflation rate uh, seems to have spiked. And even though some of the things that would probably have been responsible for it are within our control, others are not. Do you think, first of all, we are recognizing that that in itself is a problem? And secondly, that they are even doing anything about it. And when I say they, I'm talking about those in charge of policy, yeah. which could positively affect us. Well, uh, it's very clear that there is a divide um, or not the meeting of places or meeting of minds in the areas of those who are managing our fiscal policies and also our monetary policies. We have been talking about this at the chamber for a long time. There's a need for government departments in terms of physical, fiscal and monetary policies to work in cohesion so as to come up with a, with a, with a front that will address the issues as against one, taking actions or steps that will get us to plus two, and the other one will take action that will get us to minus one. So in the, mean, in, the, in the long run, we are not where we want to be. For instance, in the area of inflation, a lot of things ought to have been done, which we have been talking about regularly, and which, one way or the other, the will is not there to do it. And if it's been done, I'm sure today we'll be, we'll be aware. We've also spoken a lot about the issue of security. We've released statements severally on debt boarding of the nation. These are things putting, up, putting us into very, very tough situations. And these are within government to manage. You're not compelled to borrow, you know, but if you don't manage your own resources very well, you might end up doing nothing but to borrow. That's the easy way to, to, to get it down. Just borrow, take more money. Those days they will go and print. But you don't, you don't print that easily these days. You just go and borrow money. You go and borrow money, all you're doing, you are put, putting the pressure on future administrations, putting the pressure on future Nigerians. Women not even be part of this borrowing now. They are young, they are in school, but that we are paying, they are the people then in management of our economy, or maybe of, 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 of our businesses. We are told that uh, we need to borrow. Yeah. And uh, incidentally, we are told that we need to borrow because of uh, chambers like yourselves and other people in the private sector, because uh, a lot of what uh, people like you require is in infrastructure, better roads, uh, better schools, uh, water, uh, energy supply, power and all of that. Um, so that if we are borrowing for those and we are putting those in place, then of course, definitely that is good borrowing, if, if you pardon my use of yeah. the word of that term. But it does appear from your reaction and from the reaction of others in the sector that I've spoken to, that it, they are not so sure that a lot of that borrowing 
has been used for that purpose uh, because they are not seeing that reflect on their output and on their own outcomes. Yeah. Is that a fair? Is that a fair? Comment? Well, uh, just like the individual, if you have to borrow to do something that will take you to a higher level, why not? If you borrow and does not show on you in the long run, then what have you done with the money? If you look at all the uh, borrowings that have, been ha happened, that have happened in the past and it's still happening now, then the quantum of what is on ground in infrastructure development is what people are talking about. You know, if you borrow uh, $20 billion or Naira to do a particular project, the project is going to cost you, like, say, $15 billion, and yet you don't finish what it took $20 billion to do for a $15 billion project. Then there's a question somewhere, what's happened to the gap? Where did the money actually go? So a lot of other things go into it. And that's, that's why the issue of corruption in governance is an issue that we need to manage very well in, in, in this country. That's a few of people. If you are borrowing, yes, you must. You have to borrow. You must borrow. America, they borrow a lot, but it's showing in what they are providing infrastructure for, for the economy uh, to keep being the greatest ever in the world and being a strong economy for over the, over, for over the decades. But for us here, a lot of leakages that are in our revenue generation, we are not addressing them. Like, so, give me, please like give for me some instance, examples. If you look at the amount of money that is even in the, in the, in the, in the corruption process of even, of even the tax management, a lot of people complain that when they come to them, a lot of people are after what can they get. They're talking of even the tax. That's right, that. which is the, the IGR for government, you know, even for states. A lot of things are happening under that should not happen. If those things do happen, it will diminish what government will have access to in the long run. Now, say for example, company, company A is due to pay uh, you know, two million naira, just for the case of this argument, and one way or the other, they end up paying one million, and somebody has gotten half a million or seventy thousand into his or her pocket. These are the things even happening happen in government. I was Lagos State Finance Commissioner for Finance about thirty years ago, and I knew what we met when we go to government in the Kaja. And we have to put in place a lot of things to encourage tax people, our inner revenue department. A lot of pressure was put on them. We have to also motivate them by giving them infrastructure, uh, vehicles, allowances to make sure they move around and make sure they, dis they are discouraged, you know, from taking what should come to government into their own pockets. Because they are going to be assessed on how much they are brought in in the year. So that's how we moved the Lagos State IGR in 92 to the figure about four times what it was when we, came, when we came in. And that is what Lagos State has built on now over the years. And now they are making billions every month. But there's a foundation that was laid. That foundation is also available for the federal. It's just for people to ensure that there's probity and accountability in what we do. And unluckily, it's not only in the area of taxation. 
It's in many other areas of governance that government will need to address. And good enough, Mr. President, a lot of people had confidence that corruption would be an issue that is going to find, that is going to fight to a stop. But we have first seen that one thing is the will, but also you would need the cooperation of the citizens of Nigeria to be this happen. Because it can be everywhere. But a lot of people are doing, how many will he handle as Mr. President? A lot of people, a lot of people are doing things under that is not in the best interest of the nation. Look at the issue of our subsidy. What's happening there? Why are we subsidizing? That's because we are importing mostly what we need. If refineries are working, for which billions are being spent every year for maintenance, what do we have to show for that maintenance over the years? If you look at the budget for the last five years on the, on the, on the refineries and maintenance, then you ask the question, what is the output of those refineries in the last five years? Compare with what have been spent on it. You ask your question, you ask the question, you know, you just say that it is if the testimony. So we are now forced to export our crude and bring them in at figures beyond our control. Yes, because those are international prices. Special prices. And what happened? A number, well, a number of this oil that's even refined and brought in here is being sold even outside Nigeria. So we are subsidizing, subsidizing not only for Nigerians, but also for people who are outside this country, which to me is not, a, it's not, it's not our business. Especially when we are under pressure like this. If we are very buoyant, yeah, you can help your neighbors. But you can only help your neighbors when you are comfortable. If you help your neighbors while you are, while you are struggling, while you are suffering, you might end up dying. And you now save your neighbor and you are dead. So I would expect that if they want to help our neighbors, it's a good idea, but not at the expense of Nigerians. So a lot of leaders leave Nigeria borders, and that is part of the subsidy that, that we are paying. And if we are not getting very to work, we're also importing. And this what we are importing is not used by Nigerians, that you are saying you are subsidizing their, you know, um, to, make them more, more, yes. to make them more comfortable. What of those who are not Nigerians? How do you account for that subsidy? And that's part of the subsidy. In fact, it could be a major part of the subsidy. Because a lot of, a lot of things are going out of, out of the country, which governments are aware of. Also, even look at um, the issue of oil theft. These are things that I say that if you borrow, because you have, you have no source of your own, nobody will blame for you. But if you borrow, Without blocking your, your only cages, as a man, go to the bank and keep borrowing all the time, you'll be in trouble. But if you know you are spending in areas, you have no business spending, you curtail it. If you know your money is missing, one way or the other, through some customers, through some business associates, you try and block it. After you've done all that, you now know, well, I'm not at a point of comfort where I can say, most of my revenue that belong to me, I'm getting them. You can always want to borrow, you can then borrow. But if you are borrowing, when a lot of money is still available for you to tap into, and you don't tap into it, then that borrowing to me is, is not quite ex expedient. 
Look at the oil theft again. People are aware that there must be a high level of conspiracy for it to happen. Yeah, because uh, uh, for you to be able to extract oil, even if it's at the level of refined, uh, refined products from uh, the, either the pipelines or from the state, you have to have some level of technological right. uh, uh, know-how. And, and some security. Conditions are not taken away only by a car, only by lorries. They also go away by, by ship, by vessels that, that go on the waters. And there are people who are managing these waters in terms of control, of, uh, of security. There are people asking questions, what happened? Where are the eyes of these people? Where do the visual was in out of the country? And the which, country brings is, us, which brings us back to the argument about corruption. But then the basic argument about subsidy I, I wanted to ask you about, which is that there's supposed to be a spiral effect of this subsidy, which is why so many people say no we shouldn't just throw away the subsidy. I, I, I'll give you an example, um, especially again, given our own situation. Mm -hmm. If you look at the way diesel prices have moved uh, in, in uh, this year alone, in 2022, uh, depending on where you buy diesel now, you may be paying between 800, 850, 900 for per liter. Now, most industries, because we have power gaps, are reliant on generators. And most of these bigger generators use diesel. So there's additional cost. Aviation fuel, everybody knows that. The movement of cargo and passengers across Nigeria has more than spiked uh, by several multiples of percentage. Yeah. So when people say, oh, look, these are some of the reasons why we try to control the pricing so that you don't introduce shocks in terms of pricing to the business environment, which they are not able to cope with. Is it a valid argument as someone who is in business? Uh, are, are you able to say, no, if, if we know how much? Because I've spoken to one or two people who say, no, that's not an argument for subsidy. If we know how much it is, we can build it into our cost, provided it is stable at that price. We can build it into our cost and we can know whether whatever it is we are doing is viable or not. So again, there are these two sides of it. So which one is it that is really the correct one? Well, for us at the Lagos Chamber of Commerce and Industry, we've made a point over the overtime that we ought to have resolved the issue of subsidy, of subsidy long ago, not even now. Because if we had, we'll have adjusted into it by now. And government will have been able to free a lot of money for infrastructure, for infrastructure to help the economy to thrive. When you talk of subsidy, there's nothing wrong with subsidy as a matter of principle. A lot of, a lot of countries do it. I recollect in the last couple of uh, months in the UK, look, governments subsidize people for their energy that they use at home because they, they discovered that prices have just gone up beyond imagination. And they knew that would be a lot of pressure on householders. And what they did was they gave a bit of a council tax refund to their members. They gave the first in April. They said by November, they'll give another bigger one again in November. So that when the prices of energy, like uh, electricity, gas, and coal for the house consumption, when the prices are going up, 
I think they have this to come in to ameliorate the shocks that will come their way. But the truth is that they can afford it. You're talking about the government now? Government. They can afford it. A government that cannot afford to give subsidy should not give subsidy. And we are one of such now. Yeah. Because look at it. For April, as at the end of April, the money we spent on maintaining or servicing our debts is higher than the revenue for that quarter. That is totally unsustainable. And if you're not careful, that could be the projection to the end of the year. So we'll be borrowing you know, how to service debt. That's right. And the bulk of this debt is not taken away. It's not, it's not also, a part of it is also the issue of subsidy. You know, subsidizing as they come, as you pay, subsidize. Also, the people you, are, you owe locally, you owe overseas, you could, you could pay. For integrity, you have to pay them. But you're not able to pay them. But the truth again is that most of the revenue is not coming into government's hands. The revenue from oil is going to private hands through oil, through oil, uh, oil theft. And unluckily, government appears to be able to do anything about it. We have sent out several papers to government on this from here, from the chamber, appealing to them of the need for them to address this issue of uh, oil theft and save the economy of this nation. But the truth, if you, if you don't subsidize, a lot of people will be in trouble. They couldn't be able to maintain any good level of living. And that's the argument of labor, that how will people survive? What people have done in many countries is to do some selected subsidy for certain sectors to support them in the area of agriculture, the area of energy, the area of uh, aviation, and some other key areas of the economy. Support them. For instance, the issue of forex. If a lot of companies have access to forex at the official rate, it would be a lot easier. But how many of them have access to, to, to forex? Those are manufacturing. It does appear as if the forex is not available, not just that they don't have access, it's yeah. not available officially. That's right. Officially, yes, officially. And for those who have it outside, who want to sell it, look at the figure in between. So the, the point we are making clearly here is that government have to do their own homework on this issue of a subsidy. If they cannot at a goal take away the subsidy, let them do it gradually. It can be, it can be on, face, on, on in faces. So as not to allow the shock, because it's now very huge. So the shock will not kill a lot of people. It can be done gradually. And also, you can give some selective uh, subsidies, I mean, or grants or help to some very low-income people to support them. But the truth is that the people that enjoy the subsidy are the big people, like you. <laughs> or you, sir. Well, I don't know about <laughs> me, like you. Because the truth is that the common man doesn't have four, five, six cars. The common man does not live in a house of 10, 6, 10, 12, 20 air conditioners 
or four or five fridge, even fridges of refrigerators. It's the big people that are benefiting from these subsidies. Who can afford to pay it? That's my worry. And the same people are now happy for government to subsidize their own cost of living and their own quality of living. And the poor people are those that will suffer if government will remove the subsidy. That is the, that is the balance. But the truth there is that it's the big people that actually should help this country to salvage the economy of this country by making a sacrifice for the poor people. So let's pay what we should pay as a real cost of the fuel we are consuming in our factories, in our homes, in our offices, on our roads. If we do that, government can now have money released to develop infrastructure, to spend money on education. Look at ASU. But on strike. Because government said they cannot afford to pay what they're asking for. People are saying, can, really, can, really, can government not really afford? But the truth is that government has no money. Because things are very, very tight. But if there are areas that we can release money like that, like this obsession, we cannot do it at a go, let them do it in phases. Then target some key areas of governance that require help. It got to a point in time of, time of COVID, England, America, they gave checks to their citizens to help them. Yes, direct. Yeah, direct to help them. Millions will receive checks by post. That's governance. But as you said, we can't because exactly. the government isn't in a financial position. To it do is. It. But the truth is that from what we are as a nation, we have more than enough to live on. All we need to do is to manage what we have much better than what we are doing now. Uh, I, I, just, before, just before this interview, I was reading that uh, the governors, that's those at the sub-national level, had proposed that uh, as part of the cost of shrinking uh, the costs and uh, governance, uh, they wanted something that up until now was more prevalent in the private sector, which is they wanted those civil servants at federal and state level who were 50 already yeah. to go on voluntary retirement and uh, free up uh, the space, especially because they were people who were earning the most anyway. Um, and uh, it's just a proposal, it's not been implemented, but already people are saying, look, this could create another problem. Uh, how, how sure are you that if you took that option, they would pay you your gratuities or they put you on, on the pensions? I mean, they are looking at those who are already on pensions now and they are seeing them constantly go through crisis and yeah. hell to be able to receive any kind of payment. But I use that only as a peg to describe where we are and to ask the question that at the level of the LCCI, your members, how, how have they coped this year with the economic headwinds as they have come? You've mentioned some of them, the foreign exchange, the inflation rate, uh, the aftermath of COVID, uh, we talked about the war in Ukraine. Um, even if we take just those, how have they managed to cope? Has it been complicated or is it a situation where many have had to just simply say, look, I can't keep this up. I have to fold. Well, let me tell you 
from what we know here, you know, as it says, the oldest chamber in West Africa. 134 years old. 34 years old. And uh, we are the second oldest in Africa, but the most vibrant chamber in the continent of Africa. We also have about 60% of the manufacturing uh, sector here at the chamber, of the whole country, here in the chamber. So we have a feel of what is happening. A lot of people are passing through very, very hard times. A number of times here, our DG and some of us here have to do some intervention with government to help certain people, certain companies that are fraught with problems. But the truth is that a number of times when we intervene, government, they've been doing their best so far, they do intervene to help. And some people, when they apply for loans, when they apply for grants, when they apply for some sort of a grant, some of a special funds that are available in government, in central bank, that will help them to speak to central bank, will help them to also uh, facilitate all of this from, from the banks. But the truth is that many of them are not coping very well. Many are not coping very well, especially those who are manufacturing, because they have real pressure about getting their raw materials. Usually, those of them, their raw materials are actually imported because of Forex. And that's why we are telling government, when the, the Monetary Policy Committee, when they met, you know, and they raised from 13 to 40% the NPL. Then, of course, in the attempt is to work on inflation. Yes. Which has a dual city point six. But the truth is that that alone is the cause of the problem. Because a lot of these, a number of these com companies, they are really suffering because of inflation. Costs are very, very high. Forex is not available for them. They don't have to look for other sources to get money. To be able to pay for raw materials, materials that are being brought in. Brought here. When they come in here, they don't have the light to work on. They have to use the generators and buy diesel at 850 varieties. One of them, they have no roads. They have to do manage the roads that lead to their factories. Many of them, no security. They have to provide their security. Many of them, no water. Have to do their own boreholes. I was on a corporate visit to a company in Solo about a month ago. They operate on generator 24-7. And they have their own boreholes that they use to avoid any interruption or the quality of water that will come. These are things that they are coping with in a country that is as rich as Nigeria. And that's where a number of companies are closing down and moving to a smaller country that's not even up to the GDP of Lagos, that's Ghana, of Lagos State. Moving to Ghana, they find it more convenient there to do business there. The other major countries have moved from here to Ghana, because they find it more, uh, more temperate to, to, to handle for them to, for them to do their businesses. You know? And then, but, of course, power is more steady in Ghana. That's right. I mean. But the truth is that uh, we are the giant of Africa, and we have all it takes 
to keep that status. All we need is political will of our leaders to do all those things that will make us to get where we want to be. This is a nation of over 200 million people, not 200 million people who are useless people, Story of very vibrant, aggressive, and hardworking people. People who are making their ways all over the whole world. People who are creating good name for Nigeria globally and who don't want to stay in their own country. I'm saying no. The time must come. Let's encourage our people to come back to Nigeria and build Nigeria. They cannot go to Nigeria unless the environment is there for them to come and do their own businesses or perform their own for their own roles within the economy. So our companies are really having very, very tough times. But we tell them that we'll do our best to talk to government. We should do almost a weekly basis. If I just released a press release today on debt body, we did one, we did a press, uh, we did a debt body in a, uh, event here about a month ago, for which we did a paper, we get to government. What we now do from my regime is that all our submit government, I package them, send them to different people in, gov in the government at the federal and the state level. Because they can't pick everything through the newspapers. So let them see the whole context of all our arguments. And when we have all these engagements, all the summaries, the summaries of all discussions, decisions, and recommendations, we put them together and send to government. And we want to thank God. Office of the MSGF replied some times ago that they acknowledge those things and they are working on them. So we are, we, are, we, are, we are very hopeful that this government can still correct a lot of things between now and when they leave uh, next year. But security, which you referenced at some point, uh, there will be those who will say, well, Lagos has not really borne the brunt of security and therefore LCCI does not, should not. Uh, have problems in terms of security. It wouldn't be like the Abuja Chamber of Commerce or the Kaduna Chamber of Commerce uh, or, or others who have been at the center of uh, uh, security concerns. Is that true? Has there been no cost to LCCI well, I, in terms I, I, of security? Well, to start with, people are looking at LCCI as a Lagos State Chamber of Commerce. We are not. We're, we're not. we're not a city chamber. We, we, we're, we're a national chamber of commerce. When the chamber was established in 1988, there was no Nigeria until 1914, when we had the amalgamation. There was no Lagos State in 1988, when the chamber was established. So we're not the, we're not the city chamber of commerce, we're, we're a national chamber of commerce. So when we speak, we speak for Nigeria. You can see most of our engagements are not necessarily for Lagos State. Of course, they are part of Lagos State, but most of them are national. We look at SCCI, we look at things globally. We have sent papers to government on insecurity a couple of times because of our desire to have a Nigeria that is peaceful. Because whatever happens in Northwest, Northeast, with one day at a point affect, affect Lagos. Not necessarily in terms of our invasion, but whatever is happening there will affect us. Because a lot of people have to now move from those states into Lagos and put a lot of pressure on Lagos resources. Lagos are competing with a lot of more people, and they are forced to, to now cater for a lot of more people than what we we'll expect, because what is happening in all other parts of the country. So the earlier we try to address those issues, the better for Nigeria, the better for Lagos, 
Whereas Lagos will be having more than enough share of the burden of Nigeria. Nothing must go wrong with Lagos, because Lagos is the heart of Nigeria. If the heart is in trouble, then the whole country, is in, the whole body is in trouble. So if Lagos economy is in trouble due to insecurity, then the whole country is as, is as good as gone. And I pray that will be a portion as a nation. So we don't have to wait until they invade Lagos or start appealing to government to do all they to do. I even got to a point, I have to say, if it's becoming very obvious that we cannot handle this on our own, there's nothing wrong asking for help. It should get to that point. Because I have to say that at a point. I was I got so worried. I said, if we were not able to keep our country safe, we should not out of pride that, oh, how can Nigeria go and appeal to court of help them? And now see ourselves become a failed nation. Nigeria is too big to be a failed nation. If we are 12, 15 million people, okay. Over 200 million people, where, where do we go? Who will absorb us as, as a nation? Which country in Africa will take us? Which country in Europe will take us? What is the population of, 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 of England? Even of Europe? We have over 200 million people here in Nigeria. So we must do everything to help government to see the reason why they must work on this issue of security. That is now creating a big problem. And we got to a point where I had to, I had to weep when I heard that they said they will, they, will, they, will, they, will, they will abduct our president. I said, that is courage from them. To see they, will, they, will, they will take our number one citizen. And they have said it. And we have not seen any, any serious action that will, that will go and fish at those people who are saying some things, more than what we have seen so far. So I want to say that in, at the Chamber of Commerce here, we are for the whole country. And our worry is for the whole country. Because if we don't speak, people will blame us. They say, well, you are, we are around 134 years. You have, you have the pedigree, you have the age, you have the size, you have the connection. Speak to people in government to help. And therefore, I'm making this opportunity to appeal to government that if there's nothing that they can do to help the economy of this nation, they must do something about, something about insecurity. Because without security, there can be no economy. I must uh, ask you about uh, two things. Well, about two outside control things that tend to affect what's going on here. The first is, uh, of course, as you mentioned, our neighbors in West Africa um, and the issue of trade. Uh, it got to a point where the president had to order the closure of the borders uh, just in the run-up to COVID, when COVID arrived, in the, in the expectation that that would help uh, stem some of the problems of uh, indiscriminate bringing of goods into the country to compete, the issue of tariffs and all of that. Is it a good deal, especially for Nigerian businesses, for us to have this continent free trade agreement? The, AFs, the AFFCTA, the African Free Continental uh, Free Trade Agreement, in my opinion, and in that of the Chamber, is a worthwhile development for Africa. But the only thing that Nigeria must be positioned properly to achieve the benefits of that 
agreement. Others will, will be the one that will suffer for it. Not all countries have signed the agreement in Africa. I think there are a couple of countries, probably five or six, that have not signed the agreement. But Nigeria, like you said, also delayed for the sign because Mr. President was being careful, which I which I agree with. But the, the truth there is that if we trade with ourselves in Africa, then we will have a better chance to develop our continent. But Nigeria, being the biggest economy in Africa, must ensure that we are well positioned to take advantage of the benefits of the continental free, continental free move to the agreement. Otherwise, our companies will lose out. In the sense that if our cost of operation here is quite higher compared to that of our neighbors, then they are being used. Because a lot of costs Nigerian businesses are having to carry, which should be part of their cost in the long run, which of course will damage, damage their prices, might make us not very competitive. So these are the areas that we need to make sure that we look at. That's why we are very concerned about how much is available for capital development for, for the country. In the first quarter alone of this year, the bulk of the money, you know, went for debt servicing. Just over 700 million Naira went for capital. And I do hope that there will be funds, because is to have the budget, another thing is for us to also have the money released when the time is due for the fund to be released to, for, for the capital, for the expenditure. Yeah. If you look at all this, you can see that there's a lot of pressure on Nigeria to remain competitive, even within Africa, even within the ECOWAS. What are the problems we had about the AGOA? A number of our companies could just not cope. Then they talk about the issue of quality, the issue of packaging, a lot of other things. Then the issue it was cost. People now saw that it's even cheaper to buy things that are imported than things that are done here locally. Because of that additional That's cost. That's right, that they are there to carry, that other overseas countries won't have to worry about. They are taken as given. They are taken off as given. No factory in Europe or America will go and employ some sophisticated uh, people for security for their factory. They don't need it. Because the environment provides all this. Or provide extra water or look for light. They, they just hold on to, to what's given by government. Unless those who are in special industries, that they must have it on in Tarotor for, for as long as life is. When they are doing some operation, they put on generator. They support they don't even care. They just because the life, the supply of light is taken for granted. And it's been so for it's been there for decades, uninterrupted. I remember in England when I was in England, if they would take light for 10 minutes, they would announce it. That they will be, I'm sorry, we do some maintenance at uh, 10 minutes between the hours of 4 a.m. Uh, 4 a.m. and 4.30 a.m. We're going to switch off just about 20, 30 minutes and exit that time they'll come back. You can then plan yourself. 
But those are those are in those days. I'm sure once or they still do it once in a while. But it's, it's a very rare thing. But here it's like a norm. So it's like it's normal. We don't have light. Oh, you now from government. We now have to fall back on your on your generator. So I agree entirely. I believe in the African Continental Free Zone Agreement. I believe in it very well. The FCT. I believe in it very well because we need to work together as Africans. Because it is not in our interest for Africans to be patronizing other countries and leave their, their, their brothers here in Africa. A lot of you can buy from Ghana. Why not buy from Ghana? Why do you have to go and buy it through other countries? That's what happens. A lot of brothers, they have, they have, they have a career. You get it, you get it, you will not buy it from another, another country overseas. But the first set to, to those countries, you will not buy from there, you will not buy from Nigeria. Why can't we do it directly? And that way we do it, it will make Africa stronger. It also make us to develop the, the weak African countries, we become stronger, because we can help them in a, to mentor them, we can help them to develop them, we can also help them to even have, a, have some of our companies to go there to set up, manufacture in those countries, give them uh, labor, uh, supply labor for, give them labor in that country, give opportunity also to grow their economies as against also relying entirely on foreign countries. So I agree entirely on that African uh, uh, agreement. It's just for us to ensure that uh, Nigeria is well positioned so as to take full benefits of the arrangements. At the LCC, I am sure there, there are people who would have reported to you uh, that it's very well known that there is, as you pointed out, seemingly an absence of will to take on some vested interests in government, uh, especially when it relates to corruption, inefficiencies, duplication of uh, parastatals, things like that. But there are those who say that that has also crept into the private sector too. You have a significant corruption, uh, attempts to cut corners on the declaration of taxes, attempts to smuggling goods, to undercut competitors uh, and all of that. As a chamber, uh, which is a body of members, yeah. uh, what are you doing? Do you, is, is it true that you get reports like this? And if so, what are you doing about such reports? Well, I, I wouldn't say that we have gotten sent to us uh, in writing uh, about some report, but we hear about it. Then we also know that uh, whatever is happening around us is a function of the total environment that businesses do operate in this country. For us as a, as a chamber, when they come in for the induction, we emphasize the issue of high ethical standard, of high ethical practice in business and our professions. What I'm trying to say in effect is that uh, in all our members here, if not all of us, we all, we all try to make sure we do things properly. There are a number of times when they've had problems, they run to the, chamber, to the chamber for help. And we speak to government. A number of times too, in customs, MPA, they've helped them. The master, they've helped them. Without necessarily asking for anything. So which, which means that uh, if we as Nigerians, if we can all decide to have a clean nation, it's achievable. The leadership must set the pace. Because if the pace is set by leadership, followers will just follow. Dr. Alawaliko, thank you so much for your time. 
Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Thanks Thank so you much. Very much. Thank you. That's our program today. We would, of course, like to hear from you on the conversation. Our social media handles are right there on your screen. You can also listen to this and previous episodes of the program via our podcast. Please visit our website, channelstv.com forward slash podcast to get started. I am Ladi Akiri Doluale. Goodbye.